Amen. Well, why don't y'all go ahead and take a seat? Hopefully, for you on the stage there, we have removed the sun. And so, I don't know if you were sitting there last week, but it's on me now. So, hopefully, I can manage. Hey, look. Um, First of all, I just want to say welcome. If you're new here, uh, if this is your first day, uh, we're so glad that you're here. There's a connect card in your seat, or if you've been coming but suffer from commitment problems, we would love for you to take today to finally overcome those fears. Fill out the connect card. I promise it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, Turn it in. We'd love to help you in your spiritual journey wherever you may be in your life. Uh, And so fill that out and turn it in on your way out, and we have a gift for you. Uh, You know, over the last uh, few weeks, especially the last 21 days, which culminated last week, um, for most of you who are probably here, the Lord, and you experienced it, has done something uh, really significant as we devote ourselves to prayer, uh, which seemed like it really culminated in a very special day over the last weekend, uh, where there was just kind of a release of celebration unto the Lord. It felt so right uh, to praise Him and to worship Him together. Uh, And I really think the Lord... Um, has taught us something and has done something that we need to consider in the life of this church. And so uh, in light of the last 21 days and in light of last week and how the Lord seemed to really be moving, uh, I kept thinking something has has shifted and we want to honor the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, on a practical side, the joke around staff and around church has been to circle or not to circle? You know, that is, that is the question. Uh, and we've just been talking about how, how uh, these practical things about, um, there's a lot of reasons why this has seemed to benefit us over the last week. Uh, and, and here's, I just wanna, I wanna walk you through a little bit of the process in my mind uh, because I want you to understand uh, how I feel like the Lord and how it seems like the team has agreed upon that the Lord is leading in a particular way. Now, uh, obviously, last week was really great, and, and uh, we were really awesome to really be able to experience the Lord uh, together and to praise Him and hear all the testimonies. Man, it was, it was a wonderful day. It was a praise party, like we'd said, so, uh, and that was a beautiful thing. And so now, uh, I, I want, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. No, imagine as a leader, you're like, okay, all right, now I have to, have to begin to make a decision. You know, uh, do we circle? Do we not circle? Do we go back to the stage? Do we not go back to the stage? All these practical things y'all probably don't even think about during the week, you know. Uh, and, and what is the Lord teaching us and what is the Lord doing? Uh, I felt the weight of some, like, permanent decision. Like, once you stick with something, you got to stick with something. Uh, and and I, I was sitting up there praying, actually, on the balcony. And this was after we had discussed some things as a team and all these practical considerations, you know. Uh, we need to work on lighting and all these different things for this to work. People can't see me if I stand right here. I don't know in the back if you had to stand up. You know, there's all these different things. You're trying to sort out and be like, okay, what are we supposed to do? And, and I felt the weight of this decision. And then it, it became very simple to me. And, and the staff was very helpful. Many people were very helpful. I was sitting up there praying. And I felt these really two simple words from the Lord uh, that he had given us something. And it was our job to carry it. That was it. It was the words carry it. Like carry it. I have given you something, and now it's time to carry it. And so it's not about doing a particular thing or a particular way forever. It's nothing about that. You can take all the pressure off of that and say, in this moment of time, the Spirit has been leading in a particular way, and it's our job simply to steward the work of the Lord amongst our congregation. Uh, And these two words, carry it, I felt to be very assured from the Lord that what He has given us, we must carry 
in the season as long as he wants us to do that. And so that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, and I want to give you some background as well on this because I remember, uh, for those of you who, who maybe were here in the beginning, uh, and it's only been two years, so you probably it hasn't been that, that long. Uh, there were so many instances, I only have time to work with you through all of them, but when somebody would ask us how City Light was going in the beginning, uh, I, I, would, I would say things, and eventually I landed on this one phrase, and I would say, oh, we're just riding the wind of the Spirit. I don't know how else to describe it. It's not like, um, oh, we had this strategy and this program, this thing worked, and da 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 You know, it wasn't any of that. It was uh, all, these, all these strange and God-sent situations happening in the school, happening with this building, happening over and over again that just felt like, okay, Lord, like, sure, you know, if that's what you want us to do, we'll do that. You know, if that's where you want us to go, we'll go there. Uh, this is how you want us to do ministry, we'll do it that way. And, and it just kept, it, it, it became so overwhelming uh, and it was such a good feeling because I don't, I don't trust myself to say, oh, let's just follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And, and this became very clear. And then uh, even those of you who were around last fall, when the, when the Holy Spirit just hijacked our sermon series in Ecclesiastes and took us somewhere that apparently we all needed to go as a church uh, to really help people deal with the struggles and the mental health struggles of their life, uh, the Spirit once again leading to take us somewhere that we needed to go. And this is so important for us. One of our core values is that we are led by the Spirit. And so the Lord had brought those things to mind as I was sitting up there on the balcony where some of you are sitting. Uh, and I was sitting there and I just I kept the confirmation from the Lord that I have given you something you need to carry it, continue to trust my leadership. And so in light of that, here's very important, very important, okay? So if you're going to learn to walk by the Spirit, you got to know the Word of God, okay? This is very important, very, very important, very, 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 super, super, duper, extremely important, okay? Uh, I'm not saying that you walk by your emotions or even something you think you might have heard from the Lord. I'm saying that you walk by the word of God, and as the, as the Lord leads, he confirms it by the word. And so now, as we continue to follow the leadership of the Spirit, we do so rooted in the word so that we remain stable and strong because we know if we go according to the word of God, we will be following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If you've been through basic training, we use this little diagram where it's word, spirit, and people. It's a Venn diagram, and the idea is that the sweet spot of Christian life is right in the middle. When the word and the spirit combines with God's people, now you have the sweet spot of a Christian existence. That's what it means to be a church. And so often, some of us, uh, maybe because of how we grew up or however it might be, we're like we're on one side, word and people. We don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit, you know. And then on the other side, some of us are spirit and people, just going wild and out, but no word. And so now we want to be combined to say, let's combine the word and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so that's what I want to do today. Is basically, uh, most messages are pretty pastoral, but this one's very pastoral in the sense of saying. Um, where something, the Lord's teaching us something. I certainly sense that. The leadership and the team senses that. There's collective unity on that. Uh, and we feel like pastorally the call now from the Lord is for us to carry it and for us to continue in what God is saying and then to root us in the word of God. So my goal today is to take what you might have been experiencing, to take what the Lord has been teaching us over the last 21 days and particularly last weekend, and then root you in the word of God so that you're compelled to go live it out because God has said it in his word uh, and because you know that to be true. And so I don't know how many of you are golfers in here. Can you raise your hand? Do I have a few? All right, all right. I see Brendan. I know Brendan. I've golfed with Brendan before, right? So, uh, and, and this is true for many of the many things in sports. Uh, but today the message is called follow through. And the reason for that is because just like in a golf swing, what you do 
after you hit the ball is just as important as how you hit the ball because your follow-through is going to determine eventually how good the swing was. And so it's not enough to get a good backswing, and it's not enough to hit the ball just right. Your follow-through is going to determine so much about where the ball ends up. How do things turn out? I mean, the same with a basketball shot, all these different things to say it's not enough just to do the thing. You have to follow through. And your follow-through determines where the ball goes. And here's what I want us to understand. It's not enough simply to experience a unique move of the Lord or simply to be taught something in a moment or in a, in a season of time like the 21 days. I feel like the Lord, by his grace, allowed us to hit the ball. And now the question is, how do we follow through? This is my pastoral concern in my heart is that we would follow through and not drop the ball. Because God can do something and can show up and we can all say, that was nice. And you package it and you put it away and you move on with your life. That was nice. 21 days next year will be nice and 300 more days. You know, like, this is not what the Lord wants us to do. And so, so my pastoral concern is that we would take what we have been sensing, experiencing, the leadership of the Lord in so many ways that has happened collectively and individually, and that we would follow through. And so in light of that... I have five truths today to help you, to help us follow through with what God has done and what God continues to teach us. And so five truths to follow through. And remember, how we follow through is going to be very important as to where we end up. It isn't just how you hit the ball. So here's truth number one. Write this down. Here's truth number one. Thanksgiving is a trampoline, all right? Thanksgiving is a trampoline. Now, now here's what I mean by that is that Thanksgiving, and as we've talked about this over and over again. So if you've been in this church for five seconds, you already know the verses I'm about to use. But Thanksgiving is a trampoline, and it is the very thing, basically, that launches us into an experience of God's presence and into the right disposition that we need to have with the Lord to basically position and posture ourselves to really meet with him and to enjoy his presence with us. Let me give you some verses, okay? We're rooted in the word, all right? Uh, Psalm 94.2, I mean 95.2 says, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with shouts of praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Now, this is important because he's telling us how we do this. Let us come into his presence with what? What is the prescribed pathway to experience the presence of God? What is the prescribed pathway to position yourself to experience more of his power and his supernatural work in your life? What is the pathway to gather together as a group of believers and send ourselves into the presence of God so that it's not drums and preaching and all that, but it's the Lord working in us and among us? What is the pathway to that? How do we do that? It's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a trampoline, and when you position yourselves via Thanksgiving, you basically launch yourself into a world, into a realm of the Spirit that you could not otherwise maintain by your own efforts. You can't manufacture it. You can't sing the right songs to get it. Let's enter into his presence with Thanksgiving. So that's how you begin. This is why, you probably don't even know if you've noticed, almost every song ever to start a service has the words thank you in it. Uh, so often as we begin a service, we simply want to do so with thanksgiving because this isn't our preference. It is God's prescribed method to enter into his presence. It is how we are taught by the word of God to approach God. 
How does the word tell me to approach God? What does it say? Well, it says you enter or you come with thanksgiving. Now, the reason it says that is not only because it's right, but because it's going to be good for you because it's going to put your heart in the right place. It's really hard to complain while you're giving thanks. Really difficult to do both at the same time. You have to pick one, you know? It's really hard to have low expectations of a Sunday service when you're sitting here giving thanks that God saves souls. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to be like, well, just another day. Thank you, Lord, for saving me from hell. You know, it's hard. It's hard to do both at the same time. When you're giving thanks to God, it's going to increase your expectations of what God can do because everything you thank him for is supernatural. You're not going to thank him for anything that's not supernatural because everything God does is supernatural, even through the natural. And so now it puts your head in the right place. It puts your heart in the right place. I'm not going to come in with complaining. I'm not going to come in with my problems. I'm going to come in with thanksgiving, and it's going to set me up, and it's going to set us up as a congregation to experience the manifest power in the presence of God in a way that is tangible and life-changing because this is something you ought to remember this is very important for us because in 1 Corinthians 14, the goal of a Christian gathering, the Bible teaches us, is that when someone walks in, they will say, surely God is among this place. That's the goal. The goal is not somebody walks in and says, man, I really like that preacher. Or the goal is somebody walks in and says, oh, the circle's pretty cool. Or the goal is somebody walks in and says, the coffee's really good. Or these people are really friendly. Or this worship, those are all fine. Those are all fine. But the goal is for someone to walk in and for you to walk in and to immediately say, the Lord is here. The Lord is here because God's people filled with God's spirit are entering into his presence with thanksgiving. We have welcomed the Lord here via thanksgiving. And so this is what we want to begin to understand. And this is also important for your devotional life. Let me just tell you, if your personal devotional life with God seems dry, just try starting with thanksgiving. It's a launching pad. It's a trampoline to say, okay, I feel tired, you know. It's really hard for me, you know. If you get up early, you say, well, okay, I'm going to get into the Bible, and I feel so tired because, you know, Katie was awake three hours last night, and you're like, uh, or to get your mind in the right place. You have all these problems, and I just say, okay, instead of me trying to figure out everything right now, I'm just going to come in with Thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. 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 And Thanksgiving is like an oven. It gets hotter and hotter and hotter, and it begins to cook something, you know. One second of it's not quite going to do it. But if you continue to posture your heart. So if your devotional life seems dry, jump on the trampoline. Try starting with Thanksgiving. As we come in as a congregation, pursue and practice Thanksgiving. We will lead in that way, and we need to all be on the same page to say, as we enter into a congregational gathering, we do so with the goal of giving him praise and experiencing God being among us through his people, through the word of God. And the prescribed pathway to that, to not good programs, but to the presence of God, is thanksgiving. And so we prioritize giving him thanks. So thanksgiving is a trampoline. That's truth number one. Uh, truth number two. I used to say this a lot in the beginning. I'm bringing it back, okay? Uh, what we call unusual, the Bible calls normal. This is very important, once again, because I'm trying to help, and I'm trying to step into places where the Lord says, okay, what we call unusual, the Bible calls normal. Now, what you think is unusual is going to be based off your own personal preferences and culture. So you might think it's normal, and the person next to you think it's unusual, and then flip-flop, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, this, is, this is true for all of us, and I'm going to give you some verses just to contextualize kind of how this plays out. And so uh, 2 Samuel 6, 21 through 22 
uh, David says this. He says, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. Now, the, the context of that is they're finally getting the ark back into where it belongs. They're finally bringing it back to Jerusalem. And this is a big deal to have the ark of God come back. There's so many problems that have happened along the way. People have died because of it. And so it's finally getting back. And so they're, they're praising God for bringing the ark back. They're praising God for his presence with them, which was manifest in the ark. of. They're praising God for what he has done. And so David, the leader of God's people, the Bible basically says in a very nice way, and I don't know exactly how this plays out, that he was dancing around half naked. And so uh, he he was just losing his mind, you know what I'm saying? And so there wasn't like, oh, Lord, thank you for bringing the art back to Israel. You know, he wasn't doing that. No, no, no. He was just, ah, you know, whatever. He was going crazy. And, and whatever he was wearing was flying around, okay? And so this seems to be the concept. And this is King David. And so he's losing his mind because he's celebrating the Lord. And then Saul's daughter, which was currently his wife, looks at him and she, 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 she rebukes him when he gets back. And she says, you look like a fool. You're a king. Act like you deserve some respect, which is how we might view the situation. And David looks at her and says, oh, I will be more undignified than that. Oh, you think I'm a fool? Let me show you something foolish. You know, like he, he rebukes her back. She rebukes him for being too celebratory because it made him look foolish. And then he rebukes her back and says, you ain't seen nothing yet. What we call unusual, the Bible calls normal and, matter of fact, expected. What we call unusual, the Bible calls normal. Some of you, this would be normal, but let me, let me always like to give a theology of shouting, okay? Psalm 47.1, it says, clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy. Now, if I wanted to, I could spend the entire sermon just referencing verses about shouting. I'm not going to do that, but I could. I just want you to know, I could do that over and over again. This is very consistent in the Bible. Uh, shouting may be unusual for you, but it's normal in the Bible. And so expressing ourselves to the Lord with great joy and exuberant joy is a normal prescribed way to worship in the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean you have to shout every three seconds, okay? It doesn't mean that. There's an appropriate uh, way to engage with the Lord based off the conviction in your heart, and sometimes you're happy with him, and sometimes you're convicted of sin and all these things. But just to say, and to set some of y'all free who love to shout, to say shouting is normal, uh, and to set some of y'all free who are too scared to do that, to say it is appropriate and normal. I could give you reference after reference after reference after reference about the Bible's prescribed way to engage with the Lord is to shout with him with great songs of joy. What we call unusual, the Bible calls normal. This is also on the flip side that big joy is, is something the Bible talks about, but also reflective stillness. You both have to speed up and you have to slow down. So some of y'all, you're always hitting the brake pedal. You're like, oh, this, this, this. you know, and you need to speed up, okay? Hit that gas pedal. And some of y'all are always, vroom, 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 hitting that gas pedal. And you need to sit down with the Lord and chill out for a second. So here's Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. Both these things need to be happening. This is why the 21 days is filled with great reflection and stillness before the Lord and also exuberant worship before him. It's both and. And the culture is going to tell you to be respectable and don't make yourself look like a fool. And the culture is also going to tell you to hurry and be busy and maximize your productivity. That's normal in D.C. Well, what the Bible calls, what we call unusual, stillness, reflective, thoughtful lives, you know, a life not filled with scrolling and running around, what we call unusual, the Bible calls normal. 
And we both have to speed up and slow down to be able to engage in the presence of the Lord. And so maybe you learned over these last 21 days the simple and beautiful truth that if I give God more attention, I will enjoy more of God's presence. Wow, what an amazing math equation to say. If I give attention, you know, me plus attention equals presence. You know, okay, this is great. If I simply slow down, and if I allow myself to be still and to know and to reflect on who God is, then I'm going to enjoy our deeper relationship with him. And that might be very unusual for some of you. For some of you, the unusual thing is shouting, making yourself look like a fool. For some of you, the unusual thing is being quiet and reflective and still. Either way, what we call unusual, the Bible calls normal. And here's the practical truth for you. Often, it is the least comfortable place that provides the most growth. It is partly my job to lead you into uncomfortable places so that you can grow. It's partly what the Lord calls any leader to do. And so I want to put this before you and say, I'm encouraging you to step into places that are uncomfortable to you but are true according to the word of God. And so I'm not asking you to be uncomfortable for uncomfortable sake. I'm saying, well, here's how the word says we ought to live, respond, all these things. If that feels uncomfortable to you, maybe the place where you're going to grow is to step into that and to encourage you in that. It It is when you are challenged that you are stretched and you grow. You don't grow by doing the same thing over and over again without perspective. You don't grow by doing the things that you always like. And is in the place where you are least comfortable that you will grow the most. And what I want for all of us is that we would grow spiritually. So whether you need to speed up or whether you need to slow down, whatever it is you think is unusual, but the Bible, on the other hand, calls normal, I encourage you to follow through and to start stepping into those places for the Lord to continue to bless you and continue to work in your life. Truth number three. So that was truth number two. What we call unusual, the Bible calls normal. Truth number three. Don't spectate, participate. Now, this is something you've probably heard if you've been here at all. I was reminded of this uh, when I was reflecting on on what the Lord had done. And partly the the benefit and I think the enjoyment of what the Lord was doing was it felt more collective and that there was a greater level of participation. And so one of the things that happened over these last 21 days is we collectively agreed upon something and then we all brought our stuff to the table to be able to do it together. So don't spectate, participate. One of the benefits, and though this is practical, of the circle is at least this is how it seems to me and how many of you have expressed yourself is it feels more like family. It feels more like family. And so now you say, okay, uh, we, are not, we are a family, not an organization. Okay, we're a family first, not an organization. Also, this is not a performance. It's a service. And so now the goal is to say, we all come together, we collectively get involved, and there's something about this particular setup, in this season at least, that allows that to be fostered, to say, we come together, and I can see you, you can see each other, ain't nobody avoiding nobody, how are you going to do that, you know, and so we can all, you're not like looking at, you know what I'm saying, uh, this is, and, and, and it just feels like, okay, hey, we're a family, and the goal, I mean, the, the word to describe so often the, the people of God is that they are family, And if we can do something that helps foster that experience to a greater level, then let's do that. We are a family, not an organization. When you come on a Sunday, the goal is not to give you a good performance. It's to do a service together. 
And so if this helps foster that, then praise the Lord. Let me give you a verse, Romans 12, 6. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, I love this phrase, let us use them. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. This applies not only to the gifts God has given you in terms of whatever that might be, but also just to your participation. And so your engagement in worship matters for everyone else. I want you to understand that. How you engage with the Lord isn't just about you. You can do that in your bedroom by yourself. You can do whatever you want there. But how you engage with the Lord here with other people affects other people. And if you look bored with God, what are they going to think? You know what I'm saying? I say, uh, you know, what? Like, if you look bored, especially if somebody comes in here, they don't know the Lord, you know? How can a bunch of people gather together and talk about being saved from hell and not look foolish? I mean, and I'm telling you, I need to step into that. I live most of my life trying to look respectable. You know what I'm saying? I'm a leader. You need to respect me, you know? Everybody needs to respect me. I'm going to lose respect. And so it's hard for me sometimes. I'm not up here chastising. It's hard for me. I don't dance around. You ever seen me dance? Nobody's seen me dance. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I dance with my kids, but that's about it. And so I, I need to, I'm trying to step into places that are uncomfortable to me as well, whatever that might be. But how I act in here matters to you, and how you act in here matters to everyone else. So it's not just bringing your gifts. So come teach, come be hospitable, come serve, come give, come be generous, come train, come do tech, come all these things, come serve the kids, all these things. Yes, 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 yes. But also it applies to everything about it. Your presence here matters. So here's the phrase I want you to understand. This is very important. If you don't use it, we lose it. Now, when people usually say use it or lose it, they're talking about yourself. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying if you don't use it, we lose it. And that applies to all of you, which is why we say bring your brick so much. Because if you bring your brick, we will build God's house. Every single one of you, 100% matters to what God is doing in a room and what God is doing in a church. You matter, you matter, you matter. Your facial expression matters. The disposition of your heart matters. Your engagement with what God is doing matters. Whether you're using your gift in the gathering matters. Whether you've come with high expectations of what God can do matters. Whether you're treating people with love and honor matters. Every single thing. If you don't use it, we all lose it. But if you come and you bring your brick, however small you might think that is, God's going to build his house and the body of Christ will collectively be blessed by that. Right? How many of y'all thought, like Pamela last week was the best sermon y'all ever heard? You're like, I don't need Nate. I don't know if you were in that sermon. That was the best sermon. She was preaching and she was giving testimony. You say, man, what a blessing it was to the congregation to hear that. That's just one example. There's a million of them over and over again. What a blessing it is just to hear from the desorts this morning. Say, Lord, so if you don't use it, we lose it. And I, I do not want to build something that's based off what I can do or a setup in a service. I'm going to bring my gift, and I'm going to do the best I can. I promise you that. But I need all of you. We need each other to bring our gifts. If you don't use it, we lose it. Don't spectate, participate. That is not just with your gifts. It's with your engagement. It's with your attitude. It's with everything that you bring. And I'm just telling you, and I think you tasted it a little bit last week and over the last 21 days, and even as we grow as a church over these last couple of years, is it's so true. The more you engage and the more we agree upon it, the more the Lord seems to work. 
Okay, this is very important. If you don't use it, we lose it. And so that's an encouragement. You should also come with a little bit of like a, a responsibility. Okay? You should come to service feeling responsible. I feel responsible to be a part of what God is doing. I feel responsible to my brothers and sisters. I feel responsible to be engaged. I feel responsible to be worshipful. I feel responsible to use my gift. I feel responsible to step into a place of service. I feel responsible to fill a need. If you don't use it, we lose it. And so there's both an an excitement there that you matter no matter what you think about yourself or no matter what you think you're good at. The Lord has made you perfect just the way you are. And he has given you the gifts that he wants you to have. And he has great plans for you to use them. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 2.10 says you ought to walk in the good works he already has prepared for you. So you come in here and you step in to say, I'm going to come into this environment on a Sunday morning and I'm going to step into something God has already prepared for me. I don't have to manufacture it. I don't have to make it up. I don't have to work. I just show up and I do what God has asked me to do. I step into a good work God has already prepared for me. I could preach a whole sermon on this because it's just so important. But this is going to have to suffice for now. Don't spectate, participate. If you don't use it, we lose it. And if you aren't presently engaged or serving in any capacity, please let us know. We'd love to connect with you and plug you in in a practical way. Truth number four. Here's truth number four. When we testify, God is glorified. I was, I was very encouraged last week, and you all heard me say it over and over again, like, with all the different testimonies, it felt like my job was super easy. I just get up and say, isn't Jesus wonderful? And sit down, you know? You're like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know? But there's something to that. And so this is very important because we need to build a church on the word of God, and it's partly the role and the thing God has asked me to do in this congregation, along with several others, to bring the teaching of the word of God to bear on the life of the congregation. We will continue to commit ourselves to that. Preaching matters. Uh, the word of God obviously matters. At the same time, there is something about the testimony of God's people that gives verification and validation to the word of God. To say, it isn't just like, this guy's coming up to talk for 30 minutes and tell us how we should live our lives. It's, whoa, look at what the Lord is doing. Wow. I can get up and say, Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and if you believe in him, you'll be saved. And there is power in that because it's the gospel. But somebody can get up and say, I was living this way, and the Lord died on the cross. He rose from the dead, and now I'm a new creation. And when y'all hear me say he did that, you're going to say, oh, that's good. And when y'all hear them say, you're going to, wow, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Nate, you say that every week, you know, okay, okay, okay. It's the gospel. I got it. Come on. And so when, when we testify, God is glorified. And part of the thing I was even talking with the team about is we want to begin to gather more and more testimonies. I want to be very intentional to build a service, including so often the testimonies of what God is doing in the life of the congregation. Here's Psalm Psalm 96. says this, Ascribe to the Lord uh, the glory due his name. Ascribe to the Lord, bring an offering, and come into his courts. And so we ascribe to the Lord glory, and this is how we do it when we testify. So the encouragement now to you uh, and this isn't just, hey, uh, uh, can you get, are you, do you need to get baptized and do you need to follow the Lord and get saved? What's your testimony about how you came to Christ? Which is amazing, but it's also something like that. How did the Lord heal me? Like, what is the Lord doing? And so whether you think it's small or big, I'm going to encourage you now, if you can email Aaron at wearecitylight.org. We obviously um, are talking to all of you and trying to find out what God is doing all the time. But if there's something God is doing in your life that you would like to testify to, please email her and we want to tell that story. If you would like to get baptized or you need to follow through, 
need to follow through, you know, with what God has already done in your life to get baptized, email john at wearecitylight.org. We want you to help us as a team facilitate a service that includes what God has done in your life. This is very important because we can't do this without you. So when we testify God is glorified, we want to hear, and the congregation needs to hear what God is doing in your life, how God has restored your marriage, how God has delivered you from that particular issue and struggle, how God showed up in a time where you needed him the most, how God saved your soul and has transformed your life. The congregation needs to hear that, and if you don't use it, we lose it. So when we testify, God is glorified. And may our services and everything we do in your lighthouses and all those things, everywhere we go, may we constantly be testifying to what God has done. May we not be ashamed or remiss to, to, to not testify to what God has done because we're scared to be vulnerable. So uh, truth number five, finally this, proportional, there's a phrase, it's called proportional praise, okay? I made it up this week, but here's what, here's what it is. <laughs> praise should be in proportion to who God is and what God has done. This is the most important point. Praise should be in proportion to who God is and what God has done. Psalm 147.1. Praise the Lord. Why? For it is good to sing praises to our God. Why? For it is pleasant. And a song of praise is fitting. It's like a, like a wedding gown on a wedding day. If the bride showed up in a t-shirt, that wouldn't be fitting. And for us to not give God exuberant praise is not fitting to the occasion. Praise should be in proportion to who God is. Psalm 150, verse 2. Look at this. Praise him, why? According to what? His excellent greatness. It doesn't say praise him according to my preference. Praise him according to my traditional church upbringing. Praise him according to the things I'm afraid to do. Praise him according to my personality. Praise him according to my culture. It doesn't say any of that. It says praise him according to him, his excellent greatness. Praise should be proportionate to who God is and what God has done. Here's a definition of proportion, proportional, okay? I looked this up on Google. It says this. Proportion is in the correct or appropriate relation to the size, shape, and position of something. It corresponds in size or amount to something else. Okay, so yeah. If praise is proportionate, then the magnitude of being saved from an eternity in hell and being gifted an eternity in heaven because something somebody else did for you, your praise should be in proportion to that. You see what I'm saying? It should make sense to say, well, that's the truth, and here's the praise that goes along with that. If God sits on a throne and rules over the entire universe, he's that big, then our praise should be in proportion to that. If God has been so good all the time, then my praise should be in proportion to that. Praise should not be proportionate to my preference, but to God's greatness. Proportional praise. So may our praise, and may the praise of this congregation, and may the praise of your life, and the praise of your everyday schedule, be in proportion to who God is and what God has done, and not in proportion to your preference. And I think if we begin to live by that, the only thing to do is give extravagant praise to an extravagant God. If praise should be proportionate and God's really big and has done something really amazing, then the praise should be in relationship to that. 
This is why, the, this is why we're going to build this off the Bible to say, okay, we're not, we're not looking to try to craft an experience. Let's say, okay, let's do what the Bible says to do, and let's just go after that 100%. So these are the five things. Thanksgiving is a trampoline, what we call unusual, the Bible calls normal. Don't spectate, participate when we testify God is glorified. Proportional praise. Praise should be in proportion to who God is and what God has done. And as I've shared time and time again today, the good news of the gospel is that God has done something amazing for you and for me, even though we are sinners. And he died and rose again to grant you eternal life. And if you came into this room and you don't have that today, God is offering you this free and wonderful gift of a relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. And so now we're going to join Psalm 150, verse 6. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so I'm going to pray. You're going to stand. The band's going to come up. And our praise is going to be proportionate to who God is and what God has done. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness towards us. I pray that you would allow us to both follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit according to the word of God, that you would make us a people of exuberant, joyful, worshipful praise, God both in the congregational gathering and in our own bedrooms, Lord. I pray that these 21 days would continue to mark us, that we would be lovers of your presence. So do what you continue to want to do in this congregation, Lord. And now we lift you our praise. We thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for what Jesus has done for us, Lord. It's in his name we all pray. Everyone say amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Stand up. Come on, let's go. Amen.